Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. If you will place your left hand on the Bible and raise your right hand, and please repeat after me, I do solemnly swear. We, the jury in the above entitled action, find the defendant guilty of the crime. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. We all took the same oath of office. We are all bound by that common commitment to support and defend the Constitution, to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and to faithfully discharge the duties of our office. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you're about to give will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? From Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio, this is Sworn. I'm your host, Philip Holloway. I view justice as being a collection of people, processes, and laws that has to be executed by human beings until we can remove the human being aspect out of it. We're not going to have perfection. But it is my hope, my desire, my dream, if you will, that we continue to evolve. Technology evolves. Our way of thinking evolves. Crime-fighting tools evolve. A lot of people in society believe they may not have anything to contribute to our legal system because they're not attorneys, they're not police, they're not district attorneys. But we as citizens all play a role. So what I would like to tell the general public is that when you sit on a jury, please take it seriously. A lot of the convicts will tell you, never trust your life to 12 people who aren't smart enough to get off a jury. They're wrong. Jury duty is serious business. Jury duty can save an innocent person from being incarcerated. Jury duty can punish the rightfully guilty. Please take jury duty seriously. Welcome to the season finale of Sworn, 
We have been extremely fortunate to talk to some amazing people this season, and everything has centered around one central question. What is justice? This may sound like a simple question, but it's not a question that can easily be answered in absolute terms. In this episode, we're going to look back to the people who have shared their stories and their expertise with us. And from each of their unique perspectives, we will do our best to tell you what justice really is. We'll start with the exonerees we spoke to early in the season. They know personally what it feels like to be denied justice. At the beginning of the episode, you heard from Joe Diaz, the man from the eyewitness testimony episode. Joe was wrongfully convicted and served eight years for a sexual assault he did not commit. The next voice is William Dillon. William is from our episode on polygraphs and scent dogs, who was wrongfully incarcerated for 27 years for a murder he did not commit. Justice means truth. That's all it means. It doesn't mean getting something for something. Justice only means truth to me. This is Bill Richards from the Bite Marks episode. Bill served 23 years in a California prison after he found his wife murdered. Police still have not found the real killer. Uh, Justice to me would be punishing the people who did it to me because it would stop them from doing it to other people. It's not that I'm vengeful. It's just that the only way to stop people is to see justice. And then justice would be if they actually went after and found who did this to my wife. But justice would be punishing the right person and stopping people doing this like what happened to me. I don't believe any person went to prison who was innocent without some kind of misconduct, and that needs to be stopped. The only way to stop that is you need to punish the people doing it so the next guy doesn't do it. Lastly, we have Calvin Johnson from the episode on racial bias. Calvin, who is an African-American, was convicted by an all-white jury and wrongfully served 16 years of a life sentence. Well, what does justice mean to me? Probably the same thing everybody else said, just of. <laughs> if the word justice were actually uh, taken in the exact content as the way it should be, it means fair, equal quality for all human beings. The problem is, it's just the justice system itself is not justice because of the flaws. Therefore, it's not equal equality for all citizens. It's inequality for citizens based on who they may be, lower income people that don't have the money to have to be able to fight against the justice system that has all the odds and all the uh, policies and procedures stacked up against you. It's against uh, the minorities. So it's just, when you look at it like that, the word justice does not being honored and portrayed or fulfilled to be the truth. Justice in the United States right now really doesn't exist except for in rare cases. During our episode on Calvin's case, we spoke with Molly Palmer. Molly is an attorney and board member of the Georgia Innocence Project. In our interview with Molly, we told her how Calvin has answered this question about justice, that justice is just us. She said that kind of insight is common among the exonerees she works with. 
you know, one of the things in, in working with exonerees, you know, they're never bitter. They spend so many years behind bars and they emerge grateful and happy to have whatever life they have left. And at the same time, you know, I think that there, there are certain things that they say that really gets to the heart of their experience. Calvin is so gracious and such a lovely man, but that kind of statement is so heavy because what it's saying is so long as you have a wrongfully imprisoned man, a single one, man or woman, so long as there is one person that the system has failed, it's not justice. It just can't be. I believe that justice does not look for the guilty, it looks for the innocent. This is Dr. Joel Zivit from our episode on lethal injection. Justice is something that you need to test on the people you despise. Justice is the thing that works for people that we hate and that we can't stand. And justice is about the fair distribution of the way that people are brought forth to trial, of what their punishment should look like, of how society should look. There is this problem in America with too many people incarcerated. There's 2.2 million people in this country are in prisons. We stand out in civilized societies to have this many people incarcerated. And so there's a talk about trying to reduce the incarceration rate and trying to find alternatives. You know, it's interesting too because it's complicated. I'll give you an example. Jesse Smollett in Chicago. It's unclear what happened there. Something strange happened. He seemed to be involved in it. Now the question is to how to punish him. And so it turned out that his punishment was to do community service of some sort, which if I think of it seems perfectly reasonable to me. Like, what does it matter? Why should a person like that go to prison? And yet people are very outraged that he didn't go to prison, that the district attorney, I think, dropped the charges because some other deal was made. And so I think that our desire for what we think is justice or the need to incarcerate people, I think runs pretty deep in America these days. And until we get over this need to incarcerate everybody, I think that what really we, w- we would consider to be a just society is still off in the distance. So to me, justice doesn't look like putting everybody in prison. And I think also that justice requires telling the story of the defense as well as the prosecution. The media and television is fascinated by the stories of the prosecution. And there's very little stories about the defense. I believe that people should be innocent until proven guilty. I believe that they should not be prejudged. And I think that these are necessary parts of a just system. A just system is open and honest and accountable and available. So that's my view of justice. Here's Amelia Maxfield, a forensic specialist for the Pennsylvania Innocence Project. From my specific standpoint, what justice means now is finality. Our system preferences the resolution of cases over getting it right. That is written in our case law, in our precedent. It's more important for a case to be over than for the right person to be in prison or even on death row or even executed for that crime. And I think that plays out across the system in the pressure to plead guilty to small misdemeanors in order to not inconvenience the court by having a trial 
our system is just designed to grind people through from misdemeanor convictions to homicide cases. We just want resolution. We just want it to be over. I don't believe that should be a principle of any justice system. That may have made sense when we didn't have DNA testing, when we didn't have evolving science, but science inherently evolves. And if you're going to be using evidence that changes and develops to secure a conviction, you have to be open to revisiting that conviction as the science or the evidence changes and evolves. The justice system should preference getting it right over having it resolved. I think it should be much more important to be sure that the evidence that's being used is reliable and valid and accurate rather than just securing a conviction and resolving a case just to have it resolved. Here's Justin Brooks, the director and co-founder of the California Innocence Project, pointing out how different economic factors can affect justice. Well, that's where we start seeing the separation of rich from poor in terms of getting the amount of justice you can afford. The defense attorney can obviously ask the judge for those resources, can petition to get those experts, but every county in America has limits on that. And it'll depend on what the county budget is and how much they allocate to experts and whether the judge thinks you need it or not. But those decisions won't be left up to you, the defendant, if you're indigent, and a lot of times your lawyer won't be able to get the resources they need. What I've seen in California, which is interesting, which I think is counterintuitive for most people, is that almost all our exonerations came from cases where private lawyers were handling the case that were either appointed by the court or retained, and very few cases where there were public defenders. And I think it's because in public defender cases, the public defenders have training, experience, supervisors, and probably most importantly in my cases, access to investigators. Where sometimes you have private attorneys that have very small offices, don't have a lot of resources, the families come forward with all the money they have, and it's still not enough to put together a good defense. And so they might go a little short on the investigation or retaining experts or doing things like that, whereas public defenders' offices often do a better job on that. And I think the general public thinks the opposite is true, that you're always better with a private lawyer than you are a public defender. And again, I'm not saying there's not amazing private lawyers out there with amazing law firms and when they have the right resources and people can compensate them that they they aren't the best. But I think the problem is in the middle, where are you better off having a lawyer without that much experience who's a private lawyer who has no supervision and no investigators, or are you better off getting a public defender to represent you? And I think often when you don't have any resources, you're better off with the public defender. The systems are so different county to county. I worked as a court-appointed lawyer in Michigan. And I'll give you an example of a thing that just denies people due process is when I did it in Lansing, Michigan, I would get paid per case and it was a flat fee. When I did it in Ann Arbor, Michigan, I got paid by the hour. And so if I took a case to trial in Lansing, I would still get the same amount of money as if I pled it out. And if I took a case to trial in Ann Arbor, I would get paid for all those trial hours. So what's going to happen when people are running businesses and have to pay their mortgage and pay for their kids' schooling and all that? We actually set a system up where it makes it very difficult for lawyers to provide the same services. And in California, we have some of these crazy contracts out in some of the smaller counties where one lawyer will contract 
for the entire indigent defense work for the year for the county. And now they're running a business that gets a contract. And the more money they spend, the less money they make on that contract. And that's just not good. And it, it's crazy that within the same country, with the same Sixth Amendment, the federal constitution, there's such varying quality and resources um, on the defense side of the work. And, and that's true, not only just state to state, but county by county within the same state. Because if what it's all about is getting the truth and those resources will assist the fact finder in getting to the truth, then there should be no question about it. It shouldn't be about, well, he shouldn't get it. It should be about, will this best assist us in finding out the truth? It's in all our best interests that innocent people aren't convicted and that guilty people are. And if providing additional resources gets us there, it should happen. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Here's retired judge and lawyer Ray Gary Jr. Every county has their own uh, their own idea of justice. For example, during my middle years as a lawyer, Fulton County and Cobb County were separated by a river. Fulton County was run by Democrats. Cobb County was run by Republicans. I had a client charged with a, a sex crime. Most of my cases were in Cobb County, and I knew from experience he'd be looking at 10 years in prison or going to trial and taking his chance. But this case wasn't in Cobb County, it was next door in Fulton County. The judge sent a letter out and said, we're bringing everybody in and this will be your only chance to do a plea bargain. If you don't do a plea bargain on this court date, you're going to trial. So I got down there and the prosecutor offered me to reduce it to a misdemeanor and give him 12 months probation and not be a sex offender. And I was thinking, this is too good to be true, you know, from our perspective that if this was in my Republican county that I live in, you know, the best offer would have been 20 to do 10, be a lifetime sex offender. Because it happened across the other side of the river, then it was 12 months probation, no sex offender. We naturally jumped on it. We played guilty that very day. One funny thing happened was I had charged my client $10,000 because I thought it was going to be a lot more to it than that. And so um, he had paid it in cash. The next day after he pled guilty and got out of jail, he called up and he said, he said, listen, I gave you a lot of money, didn't you? I said, you sure did. I said, that was a lot of money. He said, you really didn't have to do all that much. I said, that's true. As it didn't, as it worked out, I really didn't have to do a whole lot. He said, well, I don't think I got my money's worth. I said, well, you're in luck. I said, because the prosecutor is having second thoughts. She's wishing that she had never gave you that deal. So I can go down there and withdraw your plea and put you on the trial calendar for Monday morning, first trial out. And we can we can take this plea bargain off the table and have your trial. And I said, matter of fact, let me put you on hold and I'll get my secretary to get started on the motion and I can drive down there, you know, this afternoon and file it. He said, hold up on that. Let me think about it. And so I never heard back from him. But for every one, I came out smelling like a rose. There was 10 where I ended up being paid way too little. This is defense attorney Michelle Teagle on the idea of what it means to win your case. I struggled with that when I first started doing criminal defense. I was an athlete. And I really wanted to win for all of my clients. I had to redefine what winning means. And I learned a lot about that from my former law partner. And kind of makes me a little teary because as a criminal defense lawyer and also as a prosecutor, we have to redefine what winning means. There were cases where winning meant I had to be an advocate to my client about taking what really was the best deal and the best thing for their life. 
In some cases, winning meant we fought to the very bitter end until we got an acquittal and we got it. In some cases, capital murder cases where the evidence was strong on the state side and difficult to deal with, just preventing a death sentence and getting life without parole was a win. And that was a win that I struggled to wrap my head around. But I had situations where just making sure the state couldn't kill my client was a win. And I would have never thought, starting as a baby criminal defense lawyer, that a life without parole could go in the win category. But winning is relative in criminal practice and criminal law on both sides. And I hope that from the prosecutor's side, and I know there are prosecutors like this, that they will also start redefining winning and that it will truly be based not just on, I'm going to get this conviction or I'm going to advocate for this victim. That is sometimes their role, but that they're really going to just try to make the right decision that serves the community and that does justice because that's what they're there to do. I think when they lose sight of that, it creates a really dangerous system. Here's Georgia prosecutor Jesse Evans. Justice means getting it right, and we're all striving to get it right. It requires that we act honorably. We try to act impartially, trying to get to the the right, fair results. So justice really is about getting it right and about being fair. I think that's the best way to define it, and as long as we're acting honorably and we have the best intentions within the criminal justice system, my experience is that we usually get there. Um, There are rare instances where fairness is not reached, where you have an outcome that seems unjust, but... I think those are more the exception and not the norm, and I think that's a product of experience and time. A criminal justice system is not without its flaws. I think we're always moving towards making it better and open to the idea that we need to be reflective, we need to be introspective from a criminal justice perspective, and say, are, are there ways of doing things better to make sure that we get to that fairness, to get to that right results-driven goal? This is Ashley Wilcott, a lawyer who specializes in child welfare cases. She's also a judge in DeKalb County, Georgia. We last heard from her in our episode on racial bias. Oh, people are going to hear this response and think, oh, she lives in her own little world. But again, justice is blind. There's a reason there's a blindfold on Lady Justice. Justice is blind. We have laws for a reason. We have crimes, what what constitute a crime and how it's defined for a reason. In a perfect world, that's applicable to everyone equally. In a perfect world, if you commit a crime, if you violate a law, you're arrested, but you then face a fair trial. You are presumed innocent. It doesn't matter if there's a video of you doing it. You are presumed innocent until it is proven in a court of law. Because I would keep in mind that a video that you look at does not give you a 360 degree view. So you have to be convicted by a jury of your peers or by a judge if you choose to waive that. In a perfect world, that process works the same for every individual, regardless of their age, regardless of their color, regardless of their gender or gender identification. That's what justice is for me. This is federal judge Jed Rakoff from New York. I am a deep believer that a just sentence requires a judge to get deeply into the facts, the facts of the crime, the facts of the criminal, the facts of the victims, 
and to do the very difficult and often agonizing but careful job of figuring out what sentence makes sense when you factor in those various components. The mandatory minimums, of course, prevent you from doing that whatsoever. But even the sentencing guidelines, which in the federal system are no longer mandatory, but they, in my view, are a mistake because they emphasize certain factors hugely in excess of other factors. So, for example, the sentencing guidelines, federal sentencing guidelines for drugs are vastly dependent on the weight of the drugs that are sold. And that means that if you have a large-scale narcotics conspiracy, even the lowest level person faces a huge sentence because the conspiracy as a whole distributed a lot of drugs. This does not make sense to me. So I, I would go back to the system that persisted in this nation for nearly 200 years, which was we leave it to the good sense of the judge and we encourage our judges to do a lot of homework before they impose sentence. Here's Kevin Ring, the president of FAM, formerly known as Families Against Mandatory Minimums. So what we want to see is judges be allowed to sentence again. We think judges need to have discretion to fashion punishments that fit the unique facts and circumstances of each crime. Not every crime is the same. Not every defendant's the same. We don't want to see people treated differently for reasons that aren't relevant, like race or gender or things like that. But we want people who are more serious offenders to get longer punishments and less serious offenders to get shorter punishments. And that sounds so obvious and basic, but that's not the way the system works. It's too much of a game now. Who can plead first? Who has more information to give up? And so we have too many cases where low-level offenders are getting longer punishments because they don't have any information. They can't give anybody up. We think the only way to fix that is to get rid of mandatory sentences. Let prosecutors bring what charges they want. They can make their recommendations to the judge for what the sentence should be based on the defendant's characteristics and the nature of the crime. But we want judges to have control over punishment again so that it can be tailored to you know, what really happened and not just some arbitrary standard that was set by politicians who know nothing about this defendant or this crime but who wrote the mandatory minimum maybe 10, 20 years ago and couldn't have foreseen this particular instance. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody, 
Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of Melon Leaf stem cell technology. It's Melon Leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity, and it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This is my much better half, my wife, Natalie Holloway. I might be a little biased here, but I like her answer quite a bit. I think justice looks like fairness. I think that's the best way off the cuff that I can say that. And I think, unfortunately, that word is not a simple definition. And so I think people get caught up in what's right and what's wrong for certain people. I believe in the bottom of my heart that we always want the best for everybody and everybody is trying their best every day. And so fairness, fairness is what I, that's what I think justice should be. Here's defense attorney Ashley Merchant. I actually think the federal government has a much better system than the state governments do. The federal government, if you're arrested, you know, they've got some evidence against you. It's a completely different system. And in the state system, we arrest and then we try and get the evidence, you know, like the confession and things like that. I think that jurors need to require more evidence to convict people. I think that they need to actually require guilt beyond a, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt to convict people. I think that's really, really important for us to have justice. 
I think that obviously crime shouldn't happen and guilty people should go to jail. But I also think that there's oftentimes a reason. And like I said, truth always lies somewhere in the middle. You know, maybe the person did something, but they didn't do everything that they're accused of. I think that there's a lot of power in the hands of prosecutors who are oftentimes right out of law school, absolutely no perspective, don't have kids, don't have a family, has never known anybody accused of a criminal case. I think judges need to have done both sides. I really do. I think that that helps us get justice because if you've not walked in my shoes and the prosecutor's shoes, it's really hard for you to judge us. And a lot of times we see prosecutors on the bench and defense lawyers don't usually want to go on the bench. So that's a problem. But it's hard because they have not walked in our shoes and they haven't defended a person. They haven't sat next to a person as they sob when they're convicted, you know, and crying and saying, I didn't do this and I'm going to spend the rest of my life in jail. Hugging the mom who calls you every day and says, my son is innocent and, you know, he's in jail and, and feeling that. So I think that if we can work towards a better system, that's justice. But, you know, obviously I don't want guilty people to run around and, and be able to commit crimes. I mean, I think that's awful, <laughs> you know. But I also don't want innocent people to be incarcerated. And I have always advocated that we need to be smart on crime. I think that programs work like these. We have accountability courts where, you know, drug court and DUI court and all these different types of courts. I think that those are really important because they're focusing on treatment. But the problem I see with those is that it's just like anything, we are kind of segregating classes of crime. We're saying if you are mentally ill and you commit a theft type case, you can go to mental health court. But if you smack your mom, it's violent and you can't go. You're mentally ill. You know, you need the treatment. But we're kind of segregating the types of classes and the types of crimes. And I don't know that that necessarily makes sense. I have made a career out of the criminal justice system. I have worked my entire adult life in some capacity or another in the business of justice. And even after all these years, I don't know that I have a great answer to our question. You see, the concept of justice at its very core is subjective. It will look differently depending on just where you're standing. To some people, justice means punishing someone who has wronged them. To others, it may mean mercy or forgiveness. On a day-to-day -day basis, the justice that I work towards means negotiating in good faith. It means both sides striving for a fair outcome. Fairness is another esoteric word with a meaning that escapes easy definition. But what fairness looks like also changes from case to case. I have three or four case files sitting right here on my desk right now, and justice means something different in each and every one of those cases. It's fair to say that I'm passionate about justice. After all, it is my life's work, but I don't know that I am or that I should be more passionate about justice than anyone else. It is in all of our interests to have a system that works smoothly and is administered well, but I think a lot of times we forget about empathy, about humility, and about human decency. It is so easy to get wrapped up in the idea of punishment or eye for an eye justice, and that's why we wanted to tell these stories this season. Until you go through an injustice, until you experience an abuse of the system, it is easy to focus on retribution. We idealize it. We see what the media shows us. 
we hear about horrific crimes, and we call for maximum retaliation. But our system is not perfect. People are overcharged. People are taken from their families. People are removed from society every day under the guise of public safety. But is there not a greater threat with a system that forgets individual humanity? What is safe, after all, about a system that views people solely by their charges and not by their individual, unique circumstances? Our justice system in America is light years ahead of many others around the world. Most of the time, we get it right. Most of the time, the police arrest the right person. But we so often overlook that there are victims of the system itself. Victims of crimes can be victims of the system. Wrongfully accused persons are victims of the system. Families of these people are also victims of the system, and so is the community in so many instances. Every day, in every case I work, I strive to do better, to find a better justice for my clients. Fortunately, I also see so many people across the country advocating for a better way for a better criminal justice system, for more fairness in sentencing, for better rehabilitation measures, for quicker closure for victims. I hope that we've inspired you, perhaps just a little bit, to think about the broader criminal justice system. I hope that when you hear about cases, perhaps like the ones we've talked about this season, that you take a little bit of time and maybe think just a little bit longer. And as judges tell jurors, Take your responsibilities as a citizen seriously and keep an open mind because things may just not be what they appear. Well, that's enough from me for now. Let us know what you've thought about this new season of Sworn and our new format. Give us a call with any criminal justice questions you may have. Leave us a voicemail at 404-410-0441. And of course, feel free to reach out on social media like Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you reach out, I'll do my best to try to answer. We'll talk to you soon here on Sworn. Sworn is a production of Tenderfoot TV and iHeartRadio. Our lead producer is Christina Dana. Executive producers are Payne Lindsay and Donald Albright for Tenderfoot TV, Matt Frederick and Alex Williams for iHeartRadio, and myself, Philip Holloway. Additional production by Trevor Young, Mason Lindsay, Mike Rooney, Jamie Albright, and Hallie Bedall. Original music and sound design by Makeup and Vanity Set. Our theme song is Blood in the Water by Layup. Show art and design is by Trevor Eiler. Editing by Christina Dana. Mixing and mastering by Mike Rooney and Cooper Skinner. Special thanks to the team at iHeartRadio. From UTA, Oren Rosenbaum and Grace Royer, Ryan Nord and Matthew Papa from the Nord Group, Beck Media and Marketing and Station 16. I'd also like to extend a very personal and special thanks to all of our contributors and guests who have helped to make all of these episodes possible. You can find Sworn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Sworn Podcast. And follow me, your host, Philip Holloway, on Twitter at Phil Holloway ESQ. 
Our website is sworn and you can check out other tenderfoot TV podcasts at www.tenderfoot.tv. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at sworn at tenderfoot.tv or leave us a voicemail at 404-410-0441. As always, thanks for listening. From your perspective, how can our listeners be better jurors when they get summoned? Besides finding people guilty. Yeah, right. (laughs) I think the the important thing uh, to understand is that we all want to find jurors that are going to be fair, that are going to be impartial to both sides. And those are sort of the touchstone words that we use when we do jury selection is, are you going to be fair? Are you going to be impartial? So the only thing that I would encourage people to do is to keep an open mind when you come into jury selection. I understand that we're all different. We all have feelings that we're going to bring with us because of our own personal background. When it comes to the awesome responsibility of being a juror in a case, just understanding that you're going to have to check some of that background baggage at the door and make a decision based on the facts and evidence that's presented in the courtroom. And even more important than that, be open to the law that the judge is going to give that juror as well. I think a lot of people will make the mistake of thinking, well, they're only going to be looking at a given set of facts and that's how the decision's going to be made. And nothing could be further than the truth. One of the most important parts of the jury trial system is that the judge is going to give those jury instructions as to how each fact pattern is to be judged. So you need to keep an open mind, not only as to the facts, but as to the law as well. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Introducing the Lisa Chill Collection, your answer to hot nights. These mattresses beat the heat with ultra-cool covers, whisking away heat for the perfect sleep temperature. Save up to $460 on chill mattresses and get two free pillows when you shop now. iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.